Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Well, good morning, church. How are y'all? All good? I'm really excited this morning because you know, your church hasn't brought me to tears this time. Normally, every time I come here, I'm, you know, I'm, in, I'm just in tears. Um, so uh, that's a good start. And we're doing some presentation this morning. So let's see if this works. Hey, there we go. Oh, there we go. Hey, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. My goodness, do we have a tough job. Yeah, where all the fathers? Put up your hand. Father, bless them all. Give them incredible wisdom, strength, and health in Jesus' name. My goodness, it's a great thing to be a dad, but I tell you what, the gig comes with its challenges. Doesn't it, Pastor Shane? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to try and do a couple of things here. I'm going to work off my iPad plus work off... uh, uh, the screen behind me, but um, we're going to talk a bit more about fatherhood, okay, and I'm just going to tell you a bit about my uh, my little journey a little bit. Uh, you might see a picture there, next uh, picture, bingo, look at that, it's working already. Hey, um, you see that little kid? That was me when I was uh, 12, and I think I might have told you last time I was here, when I was 12, I got uh, burnt at the stake, so to speak, by my brother's. Not, not on purpose, it was just the way it went, but I'm not going into that testimony speak, okay? But I found the article, I went back and researched, and there's the article, uh, and um, the major point there is that made me and gave me the, 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 the dream to become a nurse, which I did. Uh, the next one, obviously, is my beautiful wife, who's sitting here at the front that's been faithful as. Uh, don't worry, don't clap too much, because Mother's Day, you know, seems, we seem to get two Mother's Day for every Father's Day, you know, but... But I do love my wife, and she's incredibly faithful. And as you can see there, uh, we've uh, got a few children. Um, and, uh, you know, we were just being obedient. We've got six children. And, of course, being obedient, the, the Scripture there says, As for you, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it. So I just want to say, it, you know, it wasn't anything other than being obedient to the Lord. And, of course, these are the Bambinos. Look at that. You know how much effort it took to put their names on their T-shirt. They would hate that. So don't tell them they, you saw their names on their T-shirt. But we were looking really cool. And uh, Dad's a big tip for you. You know, uh, I heard many years ago, if you're going to be a dad, uh, you know, something that you need to do is create memories. Create memories for your family. And so, you know, we, we don't have a lot of money all the time, although we're well paid now and we're able to do things, which is fantastic. But make sure you take your holidays. Don't Don't suffice your holiday for the urgent work for the important, long-term important good. You know, look after your family, take them on holidays, create memories. I can't tell you how many times our family, we sit around and we'll do it again tonight on Father's Day dinner, that they will go around the table and they'll just take the mickey out of each other and tell us little secrets that they did on our holidays, okay? But create holidays, uh, create memories for your family, amen? And the top left one up there is a bit of, uh, you know, we're in, uh, we go skiing, but I nearly, I nearly have to sell the house to go skiing. So, but I'm not here to tell, you, to tell you so much about that, but I'm going to talk to you this morning about uh, ending human trafficking. And uh, because, you know, you guys, uh, as you know, uh, have elected me in as one of your MLCs in New South Wales Parliament, I've had the amazing privilege to do a lot of things, but none so more as uh, move my first bill in the House to end modern slavery in New South Wales and contribute to ending it in Australia. So very important. 
So basically, obviously, it's giving a voice to the voiceless. But scripturally, I put all these things because I'm a sanguine, so I had to put all these little transitions on my PowerPoint. So you're going to be entertained thinking, wow, that's pretty weird. Hey, uh, so, but scripturally, if we could, uh, Jeremiah 29.11. Does everyone know Jer- Jeremiah 29.11? I know, what is it? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Hopes to give you a what? Hope in a future, not to harm you, but to prosper you. Amen? Well, go back a little bit. Most people don't know what 24, uh, 29, 4-7 says. It says, this is what the Lord, Lord Almighty, speaking to Jeremiah, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, Babylon wasn't a very nice place, was it? Come on, work with me. It's a terrible place. It was horrible. It was full of sin. It was full of lust. It was full of debauchery. It was full of drunkenness. It was, it was anything goes. It sounds a bit like our nations now, doesn't it? Amen? You with me? So anything goes. But on the other side, God puts his people in there. And what's he say? Get out of there. Don't sow in. Get out of there. Curse them. No, he says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. I love that. I'd tell my son, you believe 2911? What about 29? You know, I've got to find you a wife. You don't find her. I find her. Your dad. No, dad, it's not true. You don't believe the Bible? <laughs> anyway. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage uh, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number and not do not decrease. Also, this is the important bit, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Uh, Is he talking about Babylon here? Is he talking about that horrible, sinful, terrible city with terrible people that don't worship his God, that go out of their own way to do their own thing and, you know, do what they will and live their own pleasure? Yes, he's talking about that place. And he's put his holy people there. So now, how are you feeling about Shell Harbour? Nara? It's all alike, isn't it? God wants us to bless our communities. And more so than that, he wants us to pray for him and seek what? Peace. He wants us to seek peace in our community. But you don't know my community. My community is all over the place. They don't have a love for God. Seek the peace for your community, he says. And seek prosperity. Now, this is where people get a bit nervous because they think I'm going to talk about money. But no, you're not talking about money. Prosperity, yeah, a bit of, bit of money, is a, that's part of prosperity. But the well-being of people. Sorry about your mic, Pastor. It's going to be like an ice cream time I finish with it. But seek the prosperity, the well-being, the mental well-being, the physical well-being, the spiritual well-being. Amen? And then if you do that, if you will seek the peace and prosperity of your Babylon, guess what? You too will prosper. Amen? So it's our duty as Christians to make our community or our world a better world. Amen? You with me? And then Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Who's he on? You. Everyone say, you. Point to someone. Tell them. 
Who's the Spirit of the Lord on? You. If you're a believer, it's on you. Some people can't point because they don't feel that. You need to feel that. You need to feel that. If you don't feel that God's on your side, you need to be praying and ask for prayer, okay? Because God's on your side, my friends. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim bad news to everyone. Doesn't say that, does it? No, it says good news to who? The poor. Is anyone poor? We're going to preach the good news to you. <laughs> no, don't put up your hand. That's a trick question. Uh, proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom uh, for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, uh, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Amen? So what are we meant to be doing as the church? We're reaching out to people, aren't we? Well, I want to tell you about a situation. It's about Susan. I'm going to tell you about Susan. Susan was brought from Africa by her Australian employer, forced to work unpaid 18 hours uh, a day and sleep under the dining room table with three dogs. Susan says she was given a single bag of rice to eat and had her passport taken. She says she was verbally abused and had no idea uh, where she was living. For the promise was about $15.56 a month, she had become one of New South Wales' modern slaves. There was a, one job that Susan was ex exempt from in her uh, long days of cle uh, cleaning, washing and childcare, and that was taking the bins out for rubbish collections. Afraid that the East African house um, housekeeper would be seen, her employer wheeled the bins onto the suburban street of Sydney uh, each week while Susan remained behind closed doors. It was a fear for her safety and that of her three children in Africa that drove Susan to escape. She says, finding an unlocked, un unlocked padlock uh, on the back gate, she recalls running to a neighbour's house for help and being chased and attacked by her employer's uh, friend. The police were called. I don't deserve this. I didn't ask for this. I can't believe somebody who knows me, somebody I thought I could rely on, somebody I was looking up to, can turn to take advantage of me and make me vulnerable in a way that I was not expecting. Because of threats to her family, the very limited criminal justice avenues open to her at the time, Susan did not pursue justice through the police. So folks, what is modern slavery? Simply, it's the power over another, exploitation or loss of freedom. So the types of uh, human trafficking and modern day slavery, 
their, their titles are definitions sort of harboring, deceptive recruiting, debt bondage, forced marriage, forced labour, trafficking, servitude, childhood brides and organ trafficking, just to name probably the main categories. But freedom is a basic human right. Today, millions of people are enslaved around the world. Actually, if you have a look at this, it's about 45 million people across the world. Isn't that incredible? 45 million people. And actually, in Asia Pacific, it's an estimated 24.9 million men, women and children are living in modern slavery in Asia Pacific. The region has the second highest prevalence of modern slavery in the world, that is 6.1 per 1,000 people. It's shocking, isn't it? If you have a look at this, you see the red spots being uh, quite uh, important in terms of the stats. You can see millions all over the place, but Asia Pacific mainly, you see the 30 million that I was talking about. That's a pretty sobering map isn't it? So that's in our backyard, okay? We, we don't have all the globe. We have charge of Australia and Australasia, okay? And that's why I'm showing you Asia. Uh, there's a strategic reason for that. You'll see here that uh, women and girls are disproportionately affected by modern slavery, accounting for almost 29 million people, or 71% of the overall total. One in four victims of modern slavery are children, or about 10 million children, something, uh, sorry, some 37% or 5.7 million, uh, 5 million of those are forced, were married, uh, sorry, forced to marry were children. Isn't that incredible? Now, I know I don't have any kids in here, which is good. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. But have a look at this picture. Who likes the A380? Look at the plane, okay? Don't look at the other stuff. Look at the plane. See the plane? Who's been on an A380? Put up your hand. They're massive. Well, look, that plane, can, uh, if you were to multiply that plane by 16,838, that's how many children in modern-day slavery are, are caught in slavery and human trafficking across the globe. 16,838 A380s. We've got some work to do. If you have a look at that stat, you would know that uh, Australia is not excluded from human trafficking and child trafficking. Actually, we know that uh, some Australians are paying as little as $40 uh, to watch ch child sexual abuse, uh, abuse online, and that is hiring someone or uh, basically hiring someone's son or daughter to service their addiction from a poverty-stricken family, basically some poor kid in Indonesia or Philippines, their family can't make a buck. Actually, across the globe, there's about 800 million people living on less than $2 a day. So the traffickers see this opportunity and think, we'll go and offer them money. And they offer them money and they hand over their children and they put them in front of a camera and thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Australians are buying that service.
for less than $40 a, a view. And sobering, it's not only that. It's that it goes right to the area of what's called snuff porn. And I won't get much rawer than this, where they can actually pay for the service to watch the child all the way to the point of death. So it's pretty depraved out there. Go to your communities. Pray for the peace. Pray for the prosperity and be the heart of Jesus in there. Save the despair. Heal the brokenhearted. Get them out of darkness. So a lot of people say to me, I didn't, not in Australia, not in New South Wales. Yes, right here in New South Wales. So Australia is not an exception. So we know by the latest slavery, uh, Global Slavery Index in 2018 that 15,000 people, and this is the ones they know about, obviously, are enslaved in Australia. Too many, obviously. New South Wales passed legislation tackling modern slavery. We must all continue to do with, uh, more to this, uh, with this uh, issue together. I'm not going to read all the next slide, but you'll see down there uh, probably about the third paragraph. I just want to go through there. So where are all the slaves and where are these people in human traffic? Well, the G20 countries, there's approximately $354 billion worth of imported products that are at risk of being products of modern slavery. And so these are the types of the, um, the, the um, areas that they're found in. Uh, laptops, computers and mobile phones, $200 billion. Garments, $127.7 billion. The fish industry, fishing industry, $12.9 billion. You know, I don't know if you heard stories, but they tell, tell me that where the, the boys are actually caught up in the fishing industry, that if they're crook and they can't get off and they, they're, they're a wasted resource, that it's not unusual to chuck them overboard because they have to go out for months on end, apparently, or whatever they do. That's what I've heard. The cocoa industry, as we know, $3.6 billion. Uh, and the sugarcane industry, which is $2.1 billion. So we, we here in New South Wales, we've begun to tackle the issue of supply chains head on, and I encourage other states and territories to look at what they can do to tackle these issues as well through their supply lines, because together we can make a difference. Now this next graph, you'll see up there, you can see the sorts of breakdown, and this is in the UK sort of breakdown, but it's not too far wrong in terms of the stats. So where are these human traffic people? Well, 6.7 of them probably locked in behind doors and creating um, and doing uh, duties. 9.1 of them are in debt. They're, so someone hires someone that they buy, pay for their airplane ticket to come to Australia. They put them in work and they say, look, actually, even though you pay 2,000, you owe me 10,000. And they take away their passport and they can't go anywhere and they're locked in. So that's what debt servitude is. And of course that happens in sex work a lot where they'll get the woman, they'll get her over here, they'll take a passport and say, actually, they'll, I'll tell you what they do. They actually get the woman, they take her in a room, they seduce them, they rape them, they beat them to a pulp into submission and then they tell them that they've got to pay back the debt. And the first sexual encounters with the trafficker, normally. And then they lock them in that room and they have to work their backs, they have to work their debt off. Family threaten, 
of course, you would have seen the ABC report where um, if people speak up, they say, we will go and get your family in the village. We will, if you're from China, we will, dis we will show your parents the photos that we've got of you having sex with all these men. So you better stay quiet and just do what you're meant to be doing. Don't cause any ripples. Of course, violence, as we know, uh, personal threats uh, as well, and of course, uh, people, uh, there's other sorts, types of slavery in terms of not being paid correctly, which uh, comes under a new term really called wage theft. But we won't uh, talk too much about that. So who, where are all these people? So these are the sorts of industries you'll find them in. Uh, cleaning, beauty industry, domestic work, factory work, hospitality, they could just be any of these places uh, around New South Wales in terms of the, uh, the industries in. And then what do these people look like? Well, they could be your next door neighbour. They could, Adam, Tony, Kerry, Nat, John, you wouldn't have a clue because they've been threatened. If they say one word, they'll either be deported, their visa, or they will be beaten to a pulp, or their families will be threatened. The fact is, no one should be for sale. So we come to this thing where we make ending human trafficking and modern-day slavery a choice. Amen? What your church is doing really well, and I'm just so encouraged that I'm laying a foundation for your next couple of uh, weeks, and I just think you're just going to be on an amazing journey in the next couple of weeks with Destiny Rescue and all the great work because they're doing exactly what the Bible is talking about in Jeremiah 29. They're going to those villages. They're not saving the whole village, but they're saving thousands of kids. Amen? Which is great. So people normally say, just don't sit there. Do something. And everyone was really, hear, hear that? Do something. Yes. No, yeah, yeah. We're going to do something? Some people are. That's good. Do anything. Okay, we're not all called to go and serve human trafficking, okay? But we can all be a part of ending it by how we spend our dollars, what we're buying, and who we're uh, paying to do certain things. Um, so we can all be, play a part. But in terms of this, we all have something to contribute. And of course, in this situation, I made a choice to contribute. Actually, you probably wonder, many people say, how did, why did you um, do this? And uh, why did you do this, Bill? Well, it's quite simply, I did it as a father. I was watching a movie where the father... His uh, daughter went on a holiday and she virtually wasn't going to come back. And he went after her and got her back. But I, it just made me uh, go, wow, some people know the movie. But um, I tell you, it was a real moment in my life to go, my goodness, I need to do something about this as a father. I've got children. And you know what? I talk about daughters quite often. Um, but the sad thing is that 9.18 million children being trafficked are sons and daughters and grandchildren, okay? So don't think you're, you know, I'm good, my kids are growing up, they're all adjusted. Someone's children are being trafficked somewhere. So we decide to do a uh, modern slavery bill which addressed the findings of another inquiry I ran which is um, called the Human Trafficking uh, Inquiry in New South Wales last year. And of course we reported to the government. Uh, the bill developed... Uh, was developed by the Parliamentary Working Group on Modern Slavery, a cross-party group of members who came uh, together to develop the bill. So my inquiry on human trafficking, uh, we travelled to the US, we looked at what's happening with A21 
uh, over there in California. We met with the LAPD, the NYPD, uh, the Sheriff's Department, Homeland Security. God was amazing, opened all these doors for us to go and speak to these people that are dealing with human trafficking. And the difference for us is over there, they have a lot of their, their daughters basically from within their state being trafficked, whereas we're importing people being trafficked quite often. And so uh, while we're over there, it was just an amazing opportunity um, to, to see what globally is happening. I was going to tell you a quick story while I was over there just to show you how good God is. We got into the NYPD, you know, New York Police Department, and we come out of our hotel and we were running late because the planes always run late over there somehow. But anyway, we walk out the door and there's this uh, policeman going, Mr. Green, uh, just uh, we're going to have to move quickly. The captain's waiting for you and we, we're running very, very late. Uh, would you mind if I put the, the uh, siren on and we... You beauty. So we, we're going up the middle of New York. Whoop, 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 and everyone's parting the sea. It was awesome. We just, and I said, oh, can I film this? And I, I filmed it, but he said, please don't put it on YouTube. I'll be sacked. So, because we're way over in Oz, that story will never get back there, I'm sure. But uh, so here we're going up the middle of New York, parting, you know, everyone moving aside while we're getting a police escort, uh, which was pretty cool, wasn't it, honey? Small things, I know. So what does the modern slavery bill do? Well, basically, four simple things. The number one thing is to install an anti-slavery commissioner in New South Wales. Okay, the point, the point there being is if we've got someone with a finger on the pulse of what's happening in New South Wales, like a commissioner, uh, it would be good that we don't have to reinvent everything. The, the bill wasn't about writing a whole bunch of laws. It was using a lot of existing laws, okay? And all we have to do is pull levers because most of the laws, but we need someone above the that knows all those laws that can pull those laws. Uh, and so that's an anti-slavery commissioner. We don't, people saying, why are you doing one in New South Wales? We really need one in Australia. Now, this is what I say to you. Why do we need one for Australia? We need one for Australia because there are 30 million people enslaved in Asia Pacific. And Australia needs to take a global leadership for our backyard and contribute to eradicating human trafficking in Asia Pacific as well as Australia. And I don't think the Australian Anti-Slavery Commissioner, if the feds will prob uh, finally listen to everyone and get one, will be able to do it all. So if we all have one in each state, like a purse string, we can pull the things shut and eradicate it in our home states and then eradicate it in our nation and then eradicate it in Asia Pacific and then eradicate it in the world like the UN uh, Sustainable Goals talk about in 8.7 which is eradicate human trafficking modern day slavery by 2030. We had a lot of work to do but as the Bible says start in your own house. Amen? And that's what I've got to do. That's why you elected me. Look after New South Wales. So what will this bill... Oh, sorry, I'll go... Uh, I've lost it, really. It's still up there for you, which is good. The second thing is establish victim-centred uh, support. So when we travelled around the world, the old way of dealing with human trafficking was the, the, what was normally the young lady, to sit her down and just prosecute her. Just prosecute her from point zero. Just who are you, where are you, when it happened, uh, you know, and basically put them under all sorts of scrutiny from the, the second that they, they came into the police station. Well, that's terrible. She's had a life ripped away. She doesn't know who she is anymore. 
Her clothes are not even wearable. Her, her stomach has never had a, probably a good meal in it for who knows how long. She's not feeling like a, a woman. She's more feeling like an animal. So the victim center approach says, no, you go and feed her, clothe her, put her in a safe environment, warm the room, put the music on, get the ambience right, and help that person feel safe. And then when you've done all that to make them feel at least a little bit more safer, then we might extract some information to hold the person, the perpetrator accountable. Amen? So we're saying not only that, we're saying if you get the proceeds of crime in New South Wales and you find out that's from human trafficking, you put that money, you take it, you get that out of the uh, crime syndicate, you put it across to the victim's compensation scheme and when we have that situation where we've got a victim, we've got a whole pool of money to make sure they get the help they need to restore their lives. Amen? And so that's what our bill does as well. It looks after the victim. The, second, the third one there is increases penalty for fences because big corporates, they can't get enough money. That's what, that's what their goal is, to get more money. And sadly, we want to make say, hey, the good corporates that are doing good things and know and are reporting, that's fantastic. But if you're a corporate that's trying to make money out of someone, uh, you're going to need you're going to need uh, a lot of money because we're going to come after you and find you because you're not telling us the truth about your supply lines and what's happening. And so that's what the increased penalties are for. And they can go to prison uh, as well. Uh, and of course, the, the, the fourth one there, slave-proof um, New South Wales supply line. Now, this is a big thing. You remember we talked about the hundreds of billions of dollars? Well, New South Wales has a $60 billion procurement. $60 billion New South Wales government spends on supplies, Okay. So we've now made it that they also have to supply, uh, slave-proof their supply lines. And the Catholic Church has come on board and they're slave-proofing their supply lines. And we're saying, you know, if we all slave-proof our supply lines, that goes a long way to eradicating those depending on the oppression of others to make them rich. So it's a very, very important part uh, of the bill. Uh, who will the bill help? This is what's really good. It'll help the women and girls and boys who've been sexually exploited. It'll help those forced into underage child marriage. I mean, can you imagine this? People are handing over their 8 to 12-year-old child to a man that's 30, 40 years of age and saying, you have our blessing as parents. We've criminalized that in the bill. You can't do that. It's just wrong. Those victims being cyber trafficked, as we said, over the internet, which is just tragic. Uh, underpaid workers, wage, uh, those have been, you know, had their, their wages um, taken from them by their employers, particularly in the horticulture and fruit pickers. Um, those in debt bondage, as we talked about earlier, th those people would tend to be found in restaurants, backpackers, uh, the backpackers and construction workers and a whole lot of other uh, industries. People uh, facing organ trafficking issues, harvesting uh, organ trafficking. Uh, I want to talk about organ trafficking. You realize organ trafficking, people say, what's organ trafficking got to do with this? Well, it's human trafficking. You traffic a lung, you're, you're trafficking. And so we know that in China, that they are trafficking a lot of political prisoners called Falun Gong. Now, that, that's a stat. Okay? There's evidence everywhere that they take prisoners in and they kill them and they take their organs, they harvest them and they on-sell them. Kidneys, lungs, whatever. And they're making a lot of money out of it. The problem for us, church, is we also know that Chinese government, on occasion, put away Christian political prisoners. So whose organs are people really receiving without the 
consent of the individual. So organ trafficking, we were able to do something in there to say, no, you can't go and just go on organ tourism and uh, think you're going to get something from China that's actually uh, wonderfully helpful and uh, for your cause. It's probably come from someone that has not given consent and is a political prisoner. Uh, of course, persons working uh, as nannies, massage shops, and manicure shops, types of things that you can find trafficking in. You okay? Keep going? Okay. So what can you do? You can use your freedom to inspire freedom and change things. Uh, we had a working group. This is the best bit. Um, you'll see up here that little photo. Never, I don't think, has happened in the parliament that a premier has taken a private member's bill from another uh, party and presented it in New South Wales parliament. But she did for us. So we had the Premier of New South Wales sponsor our bill in the lower house. And on the 7th of June, uh, that went through the lower house and, of course, assented by the governor uh, in, on the 27th of June. That was significant because that now makes it law. So, folks, big drum roll. My friend, William Wilberforce says, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never say from today that you did not know. All good? Now we're going to run really quickly just through a couple more things. So that's one thing that we've been doing as the Christian Democratic Party in the Upper House. That has taken a lot of energy, folks. Uh, but can I just thank you? There's no way on earth that that bill would have come to the House if it wasn't for people like yourselves that continuously encouraged Michelle and myself uh, by voting for us and handing out for us and doing all sorts of things to keep the Christian Democratic Party in Parliament. I can tell you there was others that didn't want it there. They said, who wouldn't do this? Well, I can tell you there are people that didn't really want this bill up. And we actually used our balance of power to make sure we kept the hard bits in the bill because others wanted us to get rid of them. Okay? But by God's grace and the balance of power, which really helps when you need something. See, I'm not, I'm not powerful, okay? I want you to know that I'm not powerful as a politician, but my vote is. And I spent, I can tell you, I spent your, your investment in me as a politician wisely. I spent it on this. Okay, and we got it through Parliament. Can I tell you another one that we're just doing? Uh, thank you. I just want to run you through something else that's very important for us right now in New South Wales. We're now on the second bill for this year, which is very important to the church. It's called Fight for Religious Freedom. Can I just say that we've got a live bill before the House. Can you please pray for Fred and myself? Once again, there are part, people in other parties that don't want this bill. Okay, what this bill does, quite simply, one, it establishes a definition of a faith-based institution. Two, it prohibits discrimination on the basis of religious belief. Three, it protects faith-based institutions against detrimental treatment. Now, you may say, what's that got to do with? Well, you've got a great example here. You've got a childcare centre here that you're about to start. You've got the core values of a Christian organisation. But what if you want grants from the government and the, the, the grants say, um, yes, just tick all these boxes. And then you get down to one that says diversity and inclusion. And then it says you have to acknowledge that people are genderless and that uh, your marriage values don't count and that you have to have all these books in your thing and you have to teach on them. 
And you, of course, will go, sorry, we can't tick that box. And then the government goes, well, I'm sorry, we can't give you any grants. So that's what anti-detriment law will do. We are moving a bill that will protect the churches and faith, all faiths, to have the right to practice their faiths without fear or favour from the government and their contracts to ensure that we can preach and share the good news as we see fit, like any other person shares any other view in New South Wales, out in the street or in their workplace. The fourth thing it does, it confirms that chaplains remain able to carry out their faith-based duties. That's a good thing, isn't it? We better have that. And this is a slide which is very ironic. It's sad we still have to defend religious freedoms in a nation that was founded on them. So how can you bring change? Now, where are the Cadwells? This is your bit. Stand up. The Cadwells, stand up. These are beautiful supporters of mine, and you, you probably know them as the church here. Uh, they have a petition that you can sign. Thank you. They are CDP. They're this electorate's uh, uh, people. Uh, they are on top of this. You can sign a petition, okay? Uh, they have a petition with them, or you can go on my website, paulgreen.com.au, and sign the electronic one. Be great if you sign theirs first, if you can. Do both, if you could, because one, I can help you and know where everything is. The other one's going to be presented to the parliament. So write to your local member, Gareth Ward, okay? Gareth's a listener. He does, you know, he's, he's very astute. He's a very good guy. He's, a very, he's one of the best representatives you'll get. Okay, but he's in a party that is changing. So write to him so he's got support that he knows that we are not happy, Jan, and you want that bill supported. So that's the end of it, um, that. Can I just say, you, you guys have been fantastic. And I, I know there's people from different political alliances here, and that's okay. Okay, no problem there. But look, if you want to follow what we're doing with the Religious Freedom Bill and the human trafficking, um, we're doing updates. We're trying to get the, where we're up to with the human slavery, we're trying to get the new commissioner. Uh, and I've been on the record and said this, but I reckon, I reckon this, Andrew Scipioni would make an a excellent anti-slavery uh, um, trafficking commissioner. Wouldn't he? Anyway, so pray, pray that that may could happen. There's protocols that have got to go in place, but it would be good if we could start with him, I think. Uh, like and share my post if you could. Pray for us, strength, wisdom and health. Uh, donate if you're a donor. Please don't just do a one-off. Think about the long term. I'm trying to win my seat again in March from Pauline Hansen. Okay, you mightn't realise that. But I can assure you, uh, while she might have some very good motives and, and so might the Australian Conservatives, can I just say you, the most important things to CDP is scripture in our schools and our chaplaincy and freedom of religion. You will not get that priority from those other parties. And Pauline could do something in the media just one day before the election and command 10% of the vote and then I'm out on the street, which is not a problem. We'll go, go serve the Lord. But... I think it'd be great if we're there to continue the great work that the Christians are doing to watch after your interests. So I want to invite you all to dinner, okay, with my friend, Andrew Scipioni, who's going to speak on Australia and terrorism at that dinner. Please, um, we'll, we'll have this, this is not out and about this invitation, but save the date, 26th of October, uh, 6.45, and of course Andrew will be talking about that, and he's a great Christian man, as you know. Uh, and I'll be doing a bit of the presentation today, plus an update on the Religious Freedom Bill. Um, please, if you want to do it, just go on the line to cdp.org.au. In there, it's got South Coast Dinner. I want to fill the room with at least 100 people, so um, I think we're up to 20. 
So come down south, drive. I always drive up to you guys. How about you can come down once? That'll be fantastic. So just keep an eye out for that if you like and, uh, you know, contact us. Can I just finish there? This is the most important part of the service. I want to come back to Father's Day and finish on, on message if we could. You know, as a father, it breaks my heart. To think about our sons and daughters, and grandchildren for that matter, being stolen away and trafficked. It also makes me annoyed that we are slowly being told not to share our faith and keep it to ourselves and don't share it with anyone else. So I'm doing something about it. But also as a father, it also breaks my heart when my kids choose to separate themselves from my love because of their choices. And I know I'm not the perfect, by, by any means, the perfect father. For us fathers, it's like the first time around. We haven't done it. It's the first time around for us. Every time we face a new situation in our family, we don't have the answer. We're just trying to live through it and make good calls for our family because we love you. But however, I do know the perfect father, our father of God in the heaven. And he wishes for all of us to be close to him too. He doesn't want us to be separated. I want you to have a look at this video and consider knowing our perfect father as opposed to us poor old broken fathers that don't get it right all the time. But this father is worthy of knowing and worthy of having a relationship. Can we start the video? Thanks. <laughs> 